Welcome to the Manager Tools Podcast. Today's topic, pre-employment testing. more companies are using psychological and behavioral tests as pre-employment screening devices. Companies are supplementing their interviewing processes to ensure less false positives, hiring somebody they shouldn't. In our judgment, based upon what we've seen in interviewing, this is wise. Too many companies just don't screen rigorously enough and have started enlisting more cerebral and or technical techniques to be certain of new hires. Now, even if you haven't experienced one yet, it's becoming more and more likely that you will. Now, what does this mean for you? What's the best way to approach and be successful at pre-employment tests? Well, this is Manager Tools, and we'll walk you through it. Here we go. You know, one thing I've noticed uh, is that hiring is becoming much more scientific these days. Of course, I, I'm not surprised about it. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not either. I, I, every once in a while, I tell people when we talk coaching and people, I say, I'm an engineer, and Mike's an engineer too. And we would just like people to line up and do what we tell them to do when we tell them to do it. Um, it's not that simple. But, but I think there are lots of systems that uh, could benefit from some rigor. You don't have to call it technical rigor, but just some rigor around data and analysis and so on. So I'm not I'm not surprised either. It's both the lack of effectiveness of the existing process. Oh, don't, you, you don't start here. Don't, yeah, don't, don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please, oh please, 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 sir. Can I have 15 minutes to talk about the complete and utter failure regarding interviewing as an effective tool because people don't know what they're doing? Yeah, ah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and as as I was going to say, I knew you were, were going to jump in there, <laughs> and, and then the the natural extension of the technology into a process that until recently has been relatively untouched. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. For, well, to be fair, let, yeah, I'm not going to get in my soapbox. I promise Thank I you. will not. I will not only maybe for a minute or two or five, I won't get on my soapbox. Um, you're right though. The present system of interviewing um, just is not what it could be. You know, I've said it a lot that interviewing is the second worst form of employment screening in existence, and all the others are tied for last. Um, And actually, I I have always given apologies to Churchill, um, but I did not realize until recently, checking it, getting ready for for this cast, that the quote is that democracy is the second worst form of government uh, after all the others that have been tried. Um, I didn't realize that he had not said all the others are tied for last. Uh, but the basic the, the basic premise is true that interviewing is not terribly effective the way we practice it now. It can be incredibly effective, behavioral interviewing being, being the core of that. Um, yeah, well, well, maybe it's not as effective as we'd like it to be, but we're stuck with it, it appears. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I think a lot of managers think they're stuck with it, but but – to, to be honest, not really. Um, you, you know, you, you've heard what people say when we show them, when they actually go through the, the process and use the interview creation tool, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're, they're, they're blown away. Um, you can actually, in 30 minutes, 45 minutes, you know, you come up with an interview that just is so deep, so accurate, so specific. Um, 
that managers just kind of shake their head and they say, man, I want one of my, in fact, I, I remember this is about five years ago. Somebody said to me, I want one. I keep wanting one of my other managers to come in and sit down and watch me interview somebody and hear me ask these great questions and then have cogent answers when we get together to talk about the results. Um, look, yes. so, so it can be done well, but it's it generally not. Unfortunately. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, and I, I think that's and that's a great space for us to be in, for us to provide value in, right? That it's something that has to be done. We've got to screen people, but we're just not doing it terribly well because, again, I I believe we're allowing people to apply their personality to the process. Um, imagine a company saying, we believe our fundamental underlying value is the personalities of all of our employees. I mean, really? Yeah. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, so anyway, we're never going to get away from face-to-face -face interaction. Human interaction is so crucial. It's too important a decision hiring a new person for your organization to not invest in the time that it takes to get the subtleties that come from face-to-face -face and that can make such a difference. Once we accept the need for some sort of face-to-face -face interaction, we don't have to face... I guess pun intended, sorry. Um, <laughs> we don't have to face lousy results simply because the vast majority of managers don't know how to manage and deliver to what you're supposed to be doing in an interview. Right. So so how does pre-employment screening fit in, though, given that? I, I, look, I think it's just another a screening mechanism. Um I don't think it's anything more than that. And I think, I think companies adapt, adopted a number of years ago because, because we knew in our gut that we were following our gut when it came to interviewing. But this was, hey, this is, this is psychometric. This is, um, this is measurable. This has data associated with it rather than Joe, the purchasing guy who happens to have 25 years of experience and has a good eye for talent. I mean, I'm sorry. I think Joe having a good eye for talent is begging for a knowledge management solution. Um, so really, it's just an expansion of let, 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 let's do more to make sure that we avoid what amount to false positives, hiring the wrong person. Um, now, look, um, whether it's psychological testing or behavior matching or even psychiatric tests in some cases, um, all of these are essentially designed to increase the chances or I'm sorry, decrease the chances that you would get a false positive, or for that matter, to a lesser degree, I think, a false negative. Uh, it, it really is all about fit with the organization. Um, it is clearly too big a field in terms of all the possible tests um, that are out there um, to talk about any particular test specifically, right? So we're really, the approach of this cast is more how to prepare generally, because I think in the next five years, if you go through a normal process, you're going to, you, you can't avoid it. I, I think it's just, it's a coming wave. You're not gonna be able to avoid it. You're going to have to do pre-employment testing and you might as well know the basics. So you don't shoot yourself in the foot when it actually happens to you. Right. But you don't think, think we're going to do specific casts on all the different um, tools out there, right? I mean, one of the greatest mistakes people make is thinking about how to get, you know, to, to win at the test. And that, you know, frankly, is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, the whole gaming the system, we'll talk about that. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. work. 
No, we're not going to do that. I'm sure we'll get requests for it. Oh, this is a really popular test or this is a really popular screen. Uh, I just don't recommend that. Um, I think that level of detail in terms of preparation is, is a form of gaming the system. So no, I don't think it. I think, I, I think, I think if you have the right approach going in, if you're a good fit, then it's going to show that. And if you're a bad fit, it's going to show that as well. And if you're a bad fit, you don't want an offer from a company that's a bad fit. Yeah. Why do you want to be there anyways? Exactly. Right. What are we going to recommend here? Okay. Um, let, let's say this. We have four introductory comments, and then we have four recommendations that are more specific about how to succeed. The introductory comments are these. Get used to it. Pre-employment tests are becoming more prevalent. It is coming to a neighborhood or an interview process near you. Um, they're also becoming more accurate. Um, companies believe in them a good deal more than they used to. Uh, although, as we'll talk about later, they're by no means infallible or uh, considered to be 100% accurate. Number three, they generally look at skills and fit for the most part. And number four, some do require experts. Some companies have engaged experts, psychiatrists, psychologists, um, behavioral experts to actually administer the test or an outside agency. And I think that's it's worth noting. So those are the introductory comments. And then we have recommendations, and there are four simple ones. Number one, don't get angry. Number two, get ready. Number three, do not try to game the test. It doesn't work. And number four, get over it. Okay, so let's get to the introductory comments here. Number one, they're becoming more prevalent. Well, that's scary. Yeah, you know, you know, but to, but to be honest, think about think about the engineer in us, Mike. I mean, it's not scary if you've got a company that's doing well and is sending a bunch of experienced, quote unquote, managers out in the field to do <clears throat> different interviews with different people, depending upon how their heart moves them in any given moment. And then are using their gut to say, I like this guy and this guy, and I don't like him and I don't like her. It's not only not repeatable, it's not measurable. <clears throat> it's unlikely to be uh, uh, improvable, uh, improvable in the sense that, uh, you know, Joe's going to say, well, this is just the way I do it. I don't know why I do it this way. I just generally have a good track record hiring people. Yeah, um, well, that, that's interesting because those same things, the, the desire to be able to measure things and the desire to constantly improve kind of suggest, given the current experiences with behavioral interviewing or lack of behavioral interviewing. I right, think that, right. It, it kind of suggests that this is inevitable. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that when you put hiring, how important it is, and how often there is pain when it's done poorly, either false positives or false negatives, plus the fact that there's a new tool that has credibility um, and people in their gut, in their heart of hearts, know that Joe, the experienced production supervisor, shouldn't be the only person that who, whose gut is consulted on a new hire. I think if you put all that stuff together, you're right. I think it is inevitable. Um, you're absolutely right. Um I think until more companies train more of their managers on truly effective behavioral interviewing, in other words, going away from that gut feel of Joe, um, there's going to be a growing number of companies using other means. They're not going to tell Joe you can't interview that way. They're simply going to add to the, the gauntlet we all have to go through. Um, 
by introducing some sort of psychological or psychiatric or behavioral testing uh, to supplement the screening that really is supposed to be happening in an interview. And that's what interviewing is, right? It's a form of screening or differentiation or discrimination. Um, <clears throat> essentially, this is in the, in the minds of many leaders and HR people. This is a way to introduce some repeatable, some measurable screening discrimination, uh, uh, some uh, analytical, some doc, some some screening that we can actually look at later and, and provide trends and so on uh, to supplement what we're doing now, which is maybe effective, but not repeatable and certainly not a competitive advantage. Yeah, well, I, I think many folks are going to say, OK, great, uh, they're coming, but you can't tell me they're benign. I mean, they are an extra step in the screening process. And, yeah, it, yeah, and okay. you say all the time the purpose of interviewing is to say no. Then this is just another step that we can mess up. Yeah. Okay. I always love it when people argue and I look at them and I go, okay, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, the definition of conflict is two human beings in the same county. Okay. What would surprise people that companies and candidates are in conflict with one another from the very beginning? Um, so yeah, I think you're mostly right for most folks. Another step, almost any step really is by definition, a tightening of the screws or tightening of the screening in the process. Um, shoot, let's just be, let's call a spade a spade. Testing in all of its forms is by definition, not benign. I think the point we're making here, though, and, and correct me if you think I'm not, I'm not saying this just right, Mike. Um, the point we're making here is that candidates aren't in charge, right? Whether we believe that this trend is benign or not, whether we like the fact that screening is coming and that there's going to be testing and there's going to be measurable results and these things are going to be tweaked and constantly adjusted, um, whether, whether we believe a trend is benign or not, smart managers are aware of it now. Yeah. We don't we we're not we're not sharing this just because it's true, but because more importantly, the truth of it, we believe our job is to help managers come to grips with it and then ask, okay, how do I change my behavior as I go through this process? Um yeah, we're we're look, not we'll, um we're not saying this is good or bad actually. We're just saying these are it facts, is. and those who right. are prepared are going to do better than those who are not. Yeah, it's a bit, this, is, this is like behavioral interviewing in its early stages. I think it's safe to say that in 20 years, uh, people, young college graduates will say, what, mom, dad, you didn't do testing before you went to your company? No, they just sent out some experienced guy, and he interviewed us, and he really liked us, and he hired us. Wow, how crazy is that? Right. I mean, yeah. So I, I think the testing, the process will get better. The measures will get better. The data will get better. It'll be analyzed 10 ways a Sunday, of course, is, you know, gosh, all you need to do is start measuring things. The yeah, greatest management principle in the world. The things that get measured are the things that get done. This will be great, though, because um, give the uh, Sunday pundit something to complain about and talk about. So I'm sure there'll be lots yeah, of exactly, politics around this exactly, as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and look, um we just want to make clear that it's coming and people need to come to grips with it. Uh, one of the things that happens in this process is people get angry. Um, we're going to talk later about that. Um, and and I believe anger is, well, I know that anger is essentially the font of all anger is fear. And the reason people get angry is because they're fearful, because they get blindsided by the concept of um, 
a measured, a testing sort of interview or screening process. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, just yeah. when they think they've nailed the first interview, which since they think it is probably true, they probably have nailed the first interview. Right. Okay, um, sure. They, they get this call saying they have to take a test. And they, <laughs> and they have, yeah. you know, and then they haven't been paying attention to the world of career trends and they take the, the message the wrong way. And then they get either sc- angry or scared. And yeah, you can see it. Can't it. You, can, you can see that bravado, that kind of strutting around happening. Oh, yeah, you guys did good on the first interview. And then they you, you can feel them kind of puffing out their chest. And then all of a sudden they're told, uh, by the way, you have to go. You have to go do an interview. What? Yeah, you have to go get screened. You have to go do a test. Well, I've well, never. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I never. <laughs> and you'll never maybe, work for this maybe, company. Maybe, Thank you. Maybe that's your problem. <laughs> um, yeah, look, and, and you mentioned they get angry or they get scared, neither of which is good. And again, both be, happen because this manager is not aware of this growing trend. I, I think it's safe to say the kernel of truth here is you are going to get tested very soon, maybe on your next interview process, if not that, then the one after that, you are going to get tested. You ought not to be blindsided. You ought to be paying attention. And we have some basic recommendations to keep you from getting skewered, either because you didn't know it was coming or because you didn't understand what they were going to be asking. Yeah. Now you, let's go back. You said you think they're going to increase, but will they keep increasing, but only until behavioral interviewing reaches the tipping point? I think that's a good point, right? I mean, uh, yeah, uh, the idea would be this is great, but if behavioral interviewing really takes hold, then once that takes hold, then there won't be so much of this. I don't see that as happening. Um, I think testing, pre-employment testing is absolutely here to stay regardless of the behavioral interviews, ultimate pandemic approach, pandemic spread across all organizations. Okay. So, th- so this is 20 years from now. At first, this is kind of a Band-Aid a little bit over the lack of behavioral interviewing. But once it's in place, folks are going to find it to be so effective because these yeah. tests are accurate. They're, 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 yeah. they're not going to stop. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. I think 10 years ago they were a Band-Aid, and I think now they're really effective. And you, a company that uses them well and then t- trains their managers to, to deliver effective behavioral interviewing, you're going to drive false positives to next to zero. Not to say that your false that, that your that your true positives are going to be fabulous depends on what your standards are and what the market is and so on. But yes, I believe that it's an important adjunct. I think it's going to happen. I think any of the big companies are going to move in that direction. If and many of them already are, and it's going to help improve. It's going to improve the process um, of screening. Now, most people then say, "Well, okay, how will we know that?" Well. Frankly, you won't know that. Good interviewing, good hiring is not immediately obvious. It's obvious in retention scores and development scores and performance scores later, but it's usually not immediately obvious. Um, So, yeah, it's absolutely here to stay. Um, I think one of the important points is it's different than using gut feel or even, for that matter, using the behavioral interview. And, And frankly, that's good. Um, separate from which particular test we're talking about, the fact that we're adding an analytical piece in addition to the emotional piece, that just gives us another spotlight to shine on the target, if you will, the candidate. Uh, and it makes us feel better that we're not getting a one-sided version, if you will. Um, um, the more time companies spend up front on being effective 
in the hiring process, the less time we all spend digging out from the false positives and the mistakes we make when we hire the wrong people. One more thing, it doesn't matter here, folks, whether you're senior or junior. Tests of these types are touching virtually all layers of the organization. Most people don't realize this, but executives, particularly the quite senior ones, have been getting these kind of pre-employment tests much, much longer than the rest of us have. Primarily, think about this now, folks, is, is it should be a no-brainer. Everybody should get this right away. Because of higher costs a number of years ago, the tests were a lot more expensive back then because they didn't have the volume, and so they had to charge more per test. But more importantly, and here's the crux of it, the dangers of false positives at high levels of an organization are catastrophic. You not only have to go through a senior person not fitting in and, 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 and creating poor, poor synergy, but then you lose the person because they're going to want to move on when they realize they're not a good fit. And then you've got to fill their position again um, to say nothing of the demoral demoralization that can happen. Um, so at the highest levels of the organization, false positives are scarily bad, a really, really a bad idea. And so you'd rather say no to somebody who could be good and so that means adding more screening to make sure that the bar is set so high that only the very, very best will get through. Yeah, well, I, I'd suggest that in today's competitive environment where finding skilled workers in technology and manufacturing and you, you name it, where there's a shortage of skilled resources, that the cost of, of poor hires is going up astronomically. And, you know, that there's, an, there's another reason why we're likely to see more of this in the future. Boy, you know what? I don't know that I've ever put those two together, but you are totally right. With the tightening of the job market, the cost of a false positive is rising. You almost want to set up a metric, right? Like the like the Dow Jones or whatever, which is the cost of a false positive based on various factors. I think you're totally right. And screening is a way to reduce potential false positives. So great point. Good. I agree. Um, we even see this, though, at junior level. Um we see now that junior level folks, most of us, um, are getting skill testing way more than we did before, and also more psychological or fit testing as well. Um, I think the fit testing is really sometimes broadly called cultural testing, meaning are you fit for our culture? Um, some people previously had psychological or even psychiatric tests, um, but even then, even now, they're also adding skill tests to those folks as well. Um, basically, across the board, the use of pre-employment tests is not only happening more broadly, but it's also happening more deeply, meaning that if you had one test before, it's likely that you may get two at some point in the future. Yeah, well, maybe your next interview won't have one. But if you write off the trend now based on that, you're going to be caught flat-footed next time, and that's what we hope to prevent on this this podcast. Well said. I agree. Totally. Good. Okay. So, two, they're becoming more accurate. Yeah, indeed they are. Uh, I see some of the results, and I have to tell you, very, very hard to argue with some of the stuff I'm seeing. They're becoming more accurate, and perhaps even more importantly than that, HR and hiring managers believe they're becoming more accurate. And I think that whole belief piece is really, really important. Yeah, again, that adds to the growing prevalence here. Yep, exactly, yep. 
But, but I think our point here was that if someone were to think that they could either game them or ignore them or talk their way around them, they are hugely mistaken. Yep, you're this right. This may not be a standard everywhere, but where pre-employment tests are used, they're considered a good indicator of fitter skills. In much the same way that many of our members are quite surprised by the insights of DISC, we hear that all the time, yeah. other tests may surprise folks the same way. I mean, right. There are there's plenty of science underlying these tests, and frankly, when you look at it, they're pretty compelling. Yeah, I, I could easily spend days just digging through the underlying metrics, the 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 algorithms, and so on. And you know, you take ten, fifteen, twenty thousand people through this process, and you see it. You see the the screening process being proven out again and again and again. And you say, well, somebody put some time and effort into really making this process, the the screening process, an effective one. So I think. Uh, um, I think you're absolutely right. And you're right. DISC is one of the screening tests that firms use. Believe it or not. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But um, okay. So number three, they look at skills and fit generally. Yeah. I, I think we've already really kind of beat this horse a little bit. We just want to be clear about what most tests are and are not. Companies use pre-employment tests generally to validate keyword validate that a candidate either has the right skill fit or that their behavioral, emotional, interpersonal temperament, if you will, is a good fit for the culture of the hiring firm. While you can, if you're doing it well, you can get that kind of fit and skill analysis from enough interviews, many firms either don't have clear standards for assessing this, or they simply, even if they do have clear standards, they don't expect people to meet them, if you will. Um, For cultural or interpersonal fit, a lot of firms generally rely on the the feel that interviews report. I like this guy. I, you know, she's just, I don't know what it is about her, but I'm just not real sure. I mean, hiring is important, and we're basing it on some senior person saying, I'm just not real sure. Imagine going to the board of directors of your company and saying, you know, I really think this is a good idea, but I'm not real sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, what are the, I mean, really, it's like <laughs> interviewing is the last frontier where somehow we think our gut is a business tool, and it's not. And we've got plenty of evidence to suggest that it's uh... – a terrible tool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it it's not just a tool. It's a terrible tool, right? Um, I think also some of these tests work really well in the case where the fit is not as natural to see. This is particularly true among people who are introverted because often the interviewer is extroverted, and so that's a very difficult interviewing process to to make successful. Um, um but basically, uh, th- those fits that are harder to see, if you have a test that'll show you, a screen that'll show you, hey, this is really actually a really valid fit, um, maybe it makes you take them through an extra interview, but that interview essentially revalidates what you've learned from the test and what, what perhaps has been talked about in the previous interviews. Nothing wrong with spending an extra hour or two validating that somebody's the right right person for the job. Yeah, and, and this won't be a surprise to a lot of, Folks in the technical arena, this has been happening kind of at an individual contributor level for a while, but it's very possible, given the trends, that managers in either technical or um, 
in the industrial skills area will be tested as well. Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, yeah. I, um, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if um, in a few years companies come up with what amounts to 50% analytical, 50% emotional kind of, of screening processes. I think you're absolutely right. Um, and it takes many forms as well. Sometimes candidates are asked to answer a series of questions in writing or they're supposed to take tackle a, a coding or some other technical challenge in front of uh, observers, if, observers, if you will. Um, or sometimes they're even asked to drop the basics of a marketing plan or a communication plan. Um, you don't need to worry that you're going to be tested on something that doesn't make sense for you um, or that you're going to be tested on future jobs. That's not usually an issue. Uh, or on unrelated skills. Um, it's not as if the, the test itself is a big black hole of uncertainty. Um, and I think it's safe to say the basics of them are easy to get ready for. Um, and for the candidate who's prepared, for the manager, for the effective manager, for the manager tools manager who's prepared, uh, an employment test, a pre-employment test is nothing to worry about. Yeah. You know, all this test of pre-employment tests makes me think about um – Michelin and all the stuff they did there. Oh, yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. Exactly. I never interviewed there, but of course, I saw many people go through where they had the uh, you had the the calculus problem you had to solve, and you had the the team building problem with a particular situation. Yeah, they the gave you three or four log people. Log cabin and building and log cabin building. Log exactly. Drawing right. a yeah. uh, um, a picture of something, a three dimensional picture of some yeah. caption or whatever. So uh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I I went through it and. Obviously, it didn't do terribly didn't do well, well because <laughs> it was a great company. I'm sure I didn't get a job I, offer. Yeah, I'm sure that I would not have done as well as you. And what's more, I would look at him and said, "This is really stupid. I don't really want to do this." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as, if, as if they really cared what I wanted to do or didn't want to do. Uh, yeah. Okay, what about number four? Some require experts. What's what's that? Yeah, let me just say here, I wouldn't have mentioned this except that a couple of managers I know called me in a panic a year or two ago um, saying that a company had had them talk to a psychologist and it really spooked them. In other words, uh, you know, gosh, a psychologist, that must be difficult. And then the company psychologist, wow. Um, So we wanted to be clear. Our recommendation here is pretty simple when you think about it. Yeah, don't get spooked, right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that would be one way of putting it. Um, look, it's normal for some firms to use testing that require a psychologist or a testing expert. You might be interviewed uh, and or psychoanalyzed um, by someone you don't know but who is a professional. You might have a person score you on something, on, on an exercise that you do right in front of you, which may be a little bit unnerving. But even though it's unnerving, it is not simply because you're seeing an expert, a bad sign. It simply means that whatever test you're taking requires more expertise than what HR or the hiring manager can provide. It doesn't mean that other people who did better than you in their interviews didn't have this test. Right. Um, in fact, you could argue that with a large enough sample, having an expert involved might suggest you were doing slightly better. I mean, simply from the economics of the situation. Okay, yeah, you could. I mean, you, you, you may not want to argue. You may think that. But let's not go from one extreme to the other. Let's not, let's not suggest that the opposite problem is going to suddenly occur. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, oh, I've got an expert. He cost a firm money, so I must be doing so great mistake. 
Yeah, that's good. In fact, that'll be the title of it. <laughs> oh, oh, I've got yeah. an expert. He cost the firm money, so I must be doing good. Okay. Yeah, that, exactly. That's great, the title great. of it. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. So with that, on to our recommendations. And we have four of them. The first of which right. is don't get angry. You know, interestingly enough, I, when we say that, I'm sure people are like, uh, yeah, okay. Um, I get that. But... This is the reason I was motivated to put this cast down on paper. Um, I had to coach a client who was just blowing off their preparation because, quote, this is beneath me, Mark. Um, too many people see it as unnecessary. And, and the question comes in the form of, don't they know how good I am? And I always want to say, that reminds me of the, the, the English gentleman who turns to the, the butler or the servant at the, at the club and says, do you know who I am? And the servant says, no, sir, but I'll make inquiries. And as soon as I find out, I'll let you know. <laughs> right. Um, right. So don't they know how good I am? No, if they really knew how good you thought you were, they wouldn't be interviewing you. They'd just be rolling out the red carpet already. Um, and, and, you know, if, another phrase that we hear is, why did I work so hard that my resume looks so incredible, but then here I am getting tested? Um, how dare they insult me? And, and, and the, all those feelings stemming from anger, and as I've said earlier, fear, in my opinion, create a lack of willingness to prepare appropriately. And interviewing is about preparation. Yeah, and then they go in unprepared realize after fact after the fact that this is serious stuff and then they get anger you know their anger flares up and you know you might as well at that point just slink on home because the tests today are going to pick up on that immediately yeah and what's more who wants to hire an angry manager or executive who's unprepared what's worse being unprepared or being angry yeah actually i don't have to choose a lot of you are both Anger is completely unproductive interviewing. Um, we gave you the introductory comments earlier to help you get used to this trend of which you are not in control, but with which you will tangle. It would make it even worse if a manager tools manager got angry knowing that he or she was seeing a trend that we had already shared with you. So no excuses for getting no, angry at this yeah, point. No excuses. Okay. Right. So what can we do to get ready, which is number two here? Right. Um, four sub-prescriptions or prescriptions, if you will, in getting ready. The first one is review your background. Remember, this is an interview, folks. Look, if you have expressed interest in a company and they have spent some time interviewing you, from the time they start interviewing you or they contact you for the interview all the way through until you get an offer or they say they will not, you are in what I call the long wave interview. When you're face-to-face with somebody, that's a short wave interview. In other words, it happens in 30 or 45 minutes or an hour. But most people don't realize is that from the moment the file opens, all the time in between your actual, quote, interviews, uh, you are being interviewed. Um So you've got to review your background because this is part of the interviewing process. You should prepare as if you're going in an interview, even though you know it's going to be with a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Uh, Absolutely, you must review your resume. Know your strengths. 
know what you feel are the holes in your background relative to the particular opportunity that you're interviewing for. If you get a skills test and you've already reviewed your background, it's going to help a great deal. You'll be fresh and familiar with background that I can't tell you how many times people go in and wing these skills tests. And then when you compare it with a resume, they're like, oh, I forgot about this. I forgot about that. I just spent so long. Yeah, that's because they weren't prepared. Look, if you get a culture or a fit test, reviewing your background also, if you're doing it right, will have given you examples uh, where you demonstrated the kind of values or the kind of skills or the kind of characteristics that the hiring firm is looking for. Yeah, but, it, but you know, and we recommend do that. But a lot of people get it backwards because our step two or kind of our prescription number two in getting ready is study the job and culture. But we recommend people do that after reviewing their background, yeah. not before. Yeah. And why is yeah. that? And yeah, it's, it's simple. If you do it the other way around, if you study the job and culture first before your background, um, you won't make the immediate connections from your background that you will if you've already reviewed your background when you start studying the job and the culture. If you study the job and the culture first and then review your background, the background won't be fresh in your mind and ready to to deliver, if you will, toward things that you see um, based on review, studying the job and the culture. Right. So you got to review um, the, the study. You have to study the job and culture in the context yes. of your background. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yet again, I, I took three paragraphs to do what you did in one sentence with 10 words. Yes. Um, number three or sub sub point number three about getting ready practice, believe it or not, practice if you can. Um, if you know the kind of test you're getting, it's possible there are samples or practice tests out on the web in some cases. Imagine you hadn't taken the DISC profile, and that's widely available, as many of you know. After you took it on site, imagine the company studying it, knowing your strengths and weaknesses and your tendencies, but you didn't know it because you were taking it at, with the company and they didn't share their results with you. Oh, that would be good. Yeah, that would be horrible. That would be devastating. Um, you basically, without the data, you couldn't ad- adequately sell your strengths and you couldn't mitigate your weaknesses. What's more, they'll ask you specific questions about your weaknesses because now they know what they are. Oh, and you don't. Good position to be in. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah. My competitor has more power than me, has all the money, and knows more about me than I do. <laughs> Gee, that sounds, uh, it doesn't sound like a drama. Drama. That sounds like a tragedy. Yeah. And, 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 fo- and folks who are doubting this, you just got to go back to our earlier statement, which is these tests are, are surprisingly and scarily accurate. Yeah. Um, Yeah, the data is really getting pretty darn compelling. Uh, A word to the wise, though. Do not think that practice will make you better at giving the right answers. We're going to talk about gaming the test later. Um, But look, it's not that you can or should, God forbid, please don't do this, try to change your disk score, for instance, to do some, to match the job. Um, Um. you just ought to know if they're going to, okay? Uh, if they're going to deliver a test to you, you should know it. And that doesn't mean that you should therefore try to game it. Um, but you should definitely do practice in order to understand 
what the test is. You don't want to be sweating after having had a bad face-to-face interview and then suddenly go into a test and realize, oh, this is four hours long and I really wasn't ready for it. Yeah, I mean, you're you're really trying. You're practicing the test, so you know you you go in with the same amount of information they're going to have, and therefore you're prepared. Makes no sense to go into battle if your your opponent has a sword and a shield, and all you have is a sword. That doesn't that doesn't help. Um, Yeah, you're right. And 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 you have enough information then to put those test results in the context of your broader background skills and, and and experience. Yes. Well said. The purpose of the practice is is primarily to get you comfortable with the test, not to help you get a better score. Okay, and one final thing about practicing. Um, you can best do you can best practice if you know which test you're going to take. There's so so my point is there's nothing wrong with asking as long as you can do so with some aplomb, some naturalness. You're not acting as if you're digging around in a in a in a conniving way if you ask in a real if you ask in a relaxed way it will help you um and 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 the opposite of if you if you you sound filled with trepidation don't bother asking but it could say it would sound like this i understand there'll be some tests can you share with me what they are write those down and find out whether or not there are samples out on the web next is get a good night's sleep and this goes under the category of sometimes the things that go without saying still need to get said. So get a good night's sleep. Yeah, you know, um, you may have two to three to four to five to eight hours of testing. If you don't get a good night's sleep and you're thinking you have two hours and then suddenly they tell you you've got eight hours, how is that a good thing in any way, shape, or form? And then lastly, a little sub point to the, to the get a good night's sleep. We recommend you arrive early. If you're going to go to a testing center, not the company, um, you may be in a group and external agencies or, or administrative, uh, um, places that take care of the testing for people, um, are very energized to point out anybody who's late or anybody who doesn't follow the process or the procedures and so on. Yeah. They're, they're trying to add value to their, relationship with their customer and, and guess what and that's not you it ain't you <laughs> exactly very very good point yes exactly right you are you are um raw material you're not the customer here yeah okay now we come to number three do not we've said this before but do not game the test yeah this was kind of what a surprise for me to discover that managers and executives thought that they were smart enough to play the game just so, just right, just delicately enough to be successful. Well, you're and, saying all managers and executives are stupid. What are you saying there? No, I think I they're full of, of hub- I think they're full of hubris <laughs> in many, many cases. Um, pride goeth before the fall, sir. <laughs> um, look, it's dangerous. This this kind of attitude is dangerous for two reasons. First. There are validity tests in virtually all pre-employment screens. There are a number of different types of validity when you when you arrange a test. I think there are five. There may be more. I don't know. Um, but the bottom line is this. If a firm is using a test, they believe it's accurate. If you try too hard to be the, quote, right person, unquote, that shows up in a no, that that your interest in in being right shows up in a number of ways. I've seen candidates eliminated because they were too perfect. They appeared as a one-dimensional perfect person according to the instrument they were going through. It was clear to me and to everybody else around that they were gaming the instrument. 
Um, these are sophisticated tests in most cases. You're treading on very dangerous ground if you try to outsmart the test. You're just not smart enough. And neither are we. We're not saying you're dumb. We're just saying tests, these tests are written with a lot of expertise. Don't try to fool it. It can't be fooled. All right. It reminds me of the, the person one time told me, um, uh, after we were talking about the disk model, told me, oh, I'm a 7777. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. right. Sure, yeah. You're, right. Uh, actually, what you are is insecure, 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 insecure. Yeah. Um, you think I'm stupid enough to believe it, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. One more thing I want to say about not gaming the test. Um, the second reason is really we don't have time to delineate this in this cast right now. Um, and I wouldn't be a bit surprised if this is a two-part cast at some point. Um, but but we will cover this concept in another separate cast. Uh, I call it Horseman's Wager, uh, and it is built, it is based on Pascal's wager regarding the ex- existence of God. Um, my wager relates to interview behavior and the possible outcomes thereof. And I can assure you, folks, after 20 years of interviewing people, I'm as certain of my model's prediction accuracy as Pascal was of his. People disagree with Pascal, don't get me wrong. Pascal didn't disagree with Pascal, and neither does Horseman in this particular case. Um, the short answer of Horseman's wager is playing the game in an interview almost always ends in tears, either in the short run or the long run. Okay, Don't so that, so now do I know it. what Horseman's ninth law is, which is if you violate Horseman's wager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that's too complicated. That's too complicated. Okay. So we'll we will look forward to a uh, more detailed cast on Horseman's Wager. Until then, recommendation number four is simply get over it. Yeah, look, it's a simple one. Um, we have three parts we want to talk about here. Um, first, once you're done, forget about the tests. You're not going to know how you did. They're not going to share them with you in most cases. And you're very unlikely to know enough to be able to modify your behaviors going forward to make up for any mistakes that happened during the test. Just let it go. Anytime you spend thinking about the test is time you're not spending on the relationship or on the connection you want to make with one of the hiring managers or on the process, making sure that you're helping the HR person or the hiring manager push the peanut forward, so to speak. Okay. Um, and, and, and this whole concept is related to our second point, which is that most interviews don't think about your scores in the testing as part of their interview of you. That means they're going to interview you, and then they're going to get your results. Either results they either the results they get will will bolster their opinion or not. But it's unlikely that you're going to be interviewed differently because of your tests. So, again, let it go. Yeah, it'll, they'll only interview you differently because of your test if you let the test get in the way. <laughs> Very well. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I didn't say that, but you're right. Totally right. Um, interviewing, uh, I'm sorry, employment screens are part of the process, and you prepare like it. you prepare like an interview for them. But it's not an interview in the sense um, that the data from it gets compared to other interviews necessarily equally. That doesn't happen. Yeah. And, and then, and finally, on the getting over it piece, 
your results, folks, just may not matter all that much. If you interview exceptionally well, your results in a test can be discarded. By the way, there's a corollary to this, which says that a great test results won't well, a great test result won't get you the job offer if you've had bad interviews, and I completely agree with that as well. Um, if you're thinking about the tests when you're not taking them, you will not interview as well. You'll be making the mistake that we talk about actually in the interviewing cast of focusing so much on your first mistake, which we will forgive, by the way that you make a second and third, fourth mistake, and those are mistakes we won't forget. Yeah, not so much there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that does it for pre-employment testing basics. We covered, we covered a lot. Yeah. Um, we, you know, the four introductory comments real quick. One, they're becoming more prevalent. Number two, they're becoming more accurate. Right. Number three, they look at skills and fit generally. And some of them require experts, so don't get yep. don't get um, too bad of shape if you're often talking to a psychiatrist. Yeah. yeah. And then we had four very simple recommendations. I think one: don't get angry. Get ready. Right. right. Don't game the test; it can't oh, be done. Yeah. Right. And then simply just get over it. Yep. Test is done. It's done. Focus on the rest of the interview. You got it. Excellent. All right, my friend. Thank you. My pleasure. All righty. We'll see you later. Well, that's it until next week. Hope to see you on the discussion forums. Also, if you're new to Manager Tools and you haven't checked out our archives on the the website, we have over 120 podcasts on various management topics that I'm sure you'll want to check out. You'll find us on the web at www.managertools.com. So until next week, folks, so long. So long.